The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 35. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today, we are discussing the 15th episode of Season 2, The Fifth Race. The team visits the planet P3R-272, an address from Ernest's planet, to discover a strange room with no exits, surprisingly solid walls, and an anti-sea bear circle drawn on the ground. As they are about to leave, Jack walks through the circle on the ground, and this reveals a strange portal on the wall. Jack looks into it and gets zapped into unconsciousness. They return to the SGC, and Jack regains consciousness and insists that he is Kruvas. He begins to speak more and more strange alien words, which leads to the decipherment of the strange language of the ancients, the race that built the Stargate. Jack inputs a new program into the Stargate computer system that reveals a plethora of new worlds. As Jack's brain is overwritten by the alien database, Sam and a team travel to one of these planets in an attempt to find help for him. They end up being trapped there when the DHD malfunctions and begin to be baked by a very hot second sun. Jack, not completely una- now completely unable to speak English, writes a detailed instructions on how to fix the DHD and saves the team. He builds a strange device that causes the Stargate to be overpowered by a factor of 10. This opens a gate to a destination in a distant galaxy. He travels through alone where he encounters the Asgard. They retrieve the information from the ancients and restore his mind. The Asgard tell Jack about the alliance of the four races, the Asgard, the Nox, the Furlings, and the ancients, and that they see great potential in humanity becoming the fifth race. What are your thoughts on this episode, Father? I don't know. You start out with the, the F word. I, I don't know if we can go from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put the explicit tag on this episode. Now, is, is this actually yeah. the first time the Furlings are mentioned? You guys remember? Yep. Yeah, that's what yep. I thought it was. Um, no, this this is of course this is an important uh, episode for the the continuity of the of the story. You know, this is this really advances the plot plot line in the story. You know, in a major way, and we you know get to and of course it's, it's interesting seeing Jack. You know, have, as his language changes, and he's like, I didn't say that. What does that mean? You know, but it, you know, eventually he uh, he's able to save the day due to the knowledge stuck in there, but also to. Uh, to help establish the the connection with the uh the Asgard you know that the Asgard right. see see the humans as worthy of joining in their their alliance so it, it it's a it's a good episode this is this is a good one and it's kind of fun to see you know Jack and his what he what he does throughout it yeah that a lot what about you Victor uh yeah i mean this is Definitely one of the most important episodes for the whole Stargate mythology. It sets up the next 14 seasons of Stargate, basically. Um, it's it's very exciting the first time, first few times you see it. I wasn't as excited this time because 
after watching the next 14 seasons of the Stargate <laughs> franchise, you kind of take a lot of this for granted. And it's just like, yeah, just get on to the part where he meets the Asgard. Already, <laughs> you know? But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's crucial for the show's, uh, you know, mythology and backstory and, and everything going forward. So if, if you missed this episode and then watch the rest of, you know, the franchise, this all three series, you'd be probably pretty confused. Mm. What about you, Lisa? Well, first I have to say, I feel great pressure to, uh, that we, we get this right on this episode. Cause this, this episode is ranked in, I would say most diehard fans, top 10 ever episodes mm-hmm. of SG one. And, uh, I'm with Victor though. When I rewatch it, it's like, I know I loved it and I got chills and all the goosebumps the first, you know, like dozen times I've seen it. Um, but this time, you know, hearing that seventh Chevron, um, engaged, it, it just didn't give me the goosebumps like it used to, but this is, this is such a classic. It's just a classic episode. It's what Stargate does best. Right. It's got the science. Mm -hmm. It's got the mythology. It's got the team building. It's got the humor thrown in and the kind of has you on your edge of your seat wondering what, how are they going to get out of this one? And then they pay off with the the new aliens. (laughs) Yeah. I really liked uh, how it gave everybody something to do. I feel like, like it it didn't, I didn't feel like, I feel like a lot of times you get the dynamic where there's, two or three of the team have something really important to do. And the third one is kind of sidelined to the point of not really being there at all. Mm-hmm. But I felt like everyone like had a meaningful part in this episode. I guess Teal'c was the least. Uh, <laughs> Teal'c, go get Jack. Teal'c, go check on Jack. Yeah. Teal'c, see if Jack's still. Teal'c, manually dial the gate. Teal'c, you can't dial, manually dial the gate. <laughs> Punch Jack in the face. Teal'c. Teal'c manually dialing the gate, not pictured. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, well, yeah. yeah the, boxing, the boxing scene just makes up for Teal'c, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like that scene was, was good enough that it kind of gave him that, that beat for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> but I like, uh, I like all the world building that goes into this. It's always fun to see that and get that built out more. Um, I didn't, I kind of thought that they could have done the thing where the, when he starts speaking in the strange language, I feel like they could have done that a bit differently because it really felt like they were just, let's replace an English word with an alien word that has an exact equivalent. And that doesn't really feel like a different language. It's almost just like when you have like one of those decipher rings and you just <laughs> turn it so that the letters are different. But I get, I get yeah. for screen purposes. Yeah. They got to do that. And, and we have to talk about just how horrible Dr. Jackson is at Latin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are obvious like, Words that like we use in common like English that have Latin derivatives. He's like, I have no idea what this means. And then he's like, Oh yeah, it means like clear or, or location. Something. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah location. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It's like yeah, that yeah. means location. You know, because it's it's a cognate. It very similar word. <laughs> I feel like my kids the word with Harry Potter yeah. Latin would have gotten that one better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this is and a then, bit of and then this that, is a bit of fake Latin. I mean, it, it it is clear that this is not yeah. actual Latin being spoken, but it's a Latin eight language you could call it. You know, it's a Latin like language. Um. So there there is no direct translation, but you know, of course, he happens to have the big old book. Now, of course, I love it. He pulls out the big book of medieval Latin. Um. You can buy new ones at <laughs> you know Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh. Because the church still kind of uses medieval Latin. That's what we call our version of Latin. Was this pre-Amazon? 
Yeah, but there's still you could still get it at you know Barnes and Noble and Borders yeah. still existed back then too. Go, go to any college bookstore, yeah, exactly. which I'm sure Colorado Springs has some. You got a glimpse, but get your wheelocks. Yeah, you got yeah. a glimpse well, at that screen, right? He's typing, and the I don't even know what that was. The word processing that he was. Using. Oh yeah, it was like it this fake. You how old this is? Yeah, well, it was. It was the fake. I did like his screensaver though. Yeah, yeah it was. It was the little. Yes. <laughs> It's like no flying toasters, but you get your little walk like an Egyptian uh, <laughs> guys. Yeah, this was back when. Well, I guess they still kind of do it today, but back when you, know, you would have these computers that were, you know, supposedly the state of the art, and they have their own custom GUI. They don't use Windows. They don't use yeah. Mac. They use whatever that is. Solaris. Yeah. Yeah. Solaris Unix. That's not even that. <laughs> it, was, it was something that was made yeah. up. <laughs> I always thought it was funny that you know. Um, Speaking of that, uh, this is kind of a tangent, but the really inefficient, uh, like 3D operating system that they have in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. For years, I thought that that was just something made up by a, oh, no. like by Hollywood. No, it's a real thing. It's a real so. thing. Yeah, it was, it was. It was something Sun Microsystems was working on at the time because, of course, that was their big focus was to do more of the the 3D type stuff. That's where Java came out of the same type of thing, you know. So yeah, it was a real deal. I remember when I when I came out, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't turn into anything, but it was cool. Right. Yeah. And we do get that whole trope of people not really understanding how computers work with uh, when Jack types in his master program that reveals all the gates. Like, so that would imply that he, like, the ancients understand, like, C language or basic or something like that. Well, I mean, he was, he, I mean, first of all, he was just writing random numbers. But it's yeah. supposed to have been machine language, which if you've ever seen I, pure machine language, which isn't even assembly, it's below assembly. It right. is. It looks like random numbers. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and especially if you look at it in the binary, like they eventually show, that's just ones and zeros. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. that much is accurate. But of course, what Jack was doing was just pounding the keyboard with a bunch of numbers and whatever came yeah. up, came up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not pictured as the Compute Gazette or Ahoy magazine with the program oh, yeah. in it that he's entering, <laughs> which is what my childhood was spent oh, yeah. like. Same here. Can I get a new game? Sure. Here's a magazine. Type it in. Oh, and it's like five pages of assembly code with like hexadecimal. And if you get one character on one line yep. wrong, the entire thing won't compile. Yeah. You kids have it. Oh, that's so I love that. As a, I, I had the subscription to run magazine for my Commodore 64 for just that purpose. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Ahoy, run, Compute Gazette. Yep. Always wanted to try doing that. Never had the experience of typing in a program by hand like that, but sounds fun. Yeah, that kept me off drugs, I guess. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> kept me kept me from doing really much of anything else. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, um, I do like. Uh, I feel like they're branching out a lot with like the set design of the new worlds. It's we're getting less and less just. Vancouver forest and mm-hmm. more interesting uh, locations like the the episode before this. Um, it was more like a mist kind of looking world, mm-hmm. um, like that nineties yeah. game. And then the episode following this, we also get a more interesting uh, landscape with some really cool visuals. But I do like this really weird uh, amorphous alien room that they come into, and I also like how we don't really get any explanation beyond that for this episode which keeps the ancients more mysterious and i know that we're going to see them later on but i like that they don't just show everything right off the bat yeah i i just still can't believe like how like like 
Jack was like, can we just go home now? Like, there's nothing yeah. here. It's like, dude, this is like a highly advanced civilization built this room. Like, let's take five minutes to like least look at it. <laughs> it's like it's these lights are being powered by something. We're underground. Like, like, how is this all working? Let's just go home. We're, we're in this, you know, marble room that you pound on the wall and it's obviously solid marble. Clearly not a you know a a stage, so it you know must be something important here. Yeah. But Jack's and like, I'm bored. <laughs> and they just completely ignore the very obvious bright blue circle that's on the floor. He's like they don't even like consider it until he walks through it and activates the uh like that portal thing on the wall. Now, it, it was the circle that caused them to actually go and look at it. Because, of course, there's the opening scene where Daniel's like, see, we've got these four languages. And we know one of these is is the, the Gasgard. So this one must be, you know, something important, you know, equal. And we found this circle. And they're all looking at him like, okay, and? You know what this means, right? right? <laughs> we found a circle. We found a, yeah, found a circle with script. What does it mean? <laughs> I don't even know how to speak it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel had some great, uh, great little thing excitements, you know, throughout this whole episode of I have no idea, it, but it's so exciting. And Jack's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I do wonder. Um, it was an interesting choice to make him like not speak for like the like back half of the episode, and I wonder if there was like a off screen reason for that, or if they were just like, let's play with it, go with that. I didn't find anything online about that. I, I did discover an interview with the, uh, uh, I lost his name, um, the writer of the episode, which would be Robert John C. C. Cooper. Or Robert C. Cooper. Yeah. And yeah. in it, he really just said that he created, he wrote the episode as a way to kind of grow closer to Richard Dean Anderson hmm. as the, the right uh, Jack centric um, episode so that he could he wanted to be a showrunner and he needed kind of, I hate to say buddy up, but, you know, get to know him better. And so this was the mm -hmm. an episode he created for that purpose. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think it worked. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. Obviously it worked. I don't see it. It's like, I wrote this episode for you. You don't say yeah. a word in the last yeah. five minutes. <laughs> you just got to sit there and look confused and draw things. Does that work for you? Yeah. Yeah. And just shrug. But do you think about yeah. it as, as far as, you know, we see Richard Dinners and they put him in this situation quite a bit, right? Things happen mm -hmm. to him and he either is way over overboard acting. You know, you think about, mm -hmm. um, oh gosh, okay. I, I, I really struggle to think of the names of the episodes. The, the one in the early first season, is it Need? The, the one where the antihistamines, you know, the histamines yeah. and he grows the forehead and the hair No, Broca, yeah. Oh, Broca. That's yeah. it. You know, and, uh. You know, he, he's either like way over the top or he's extremely subtle, you know, just like whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of fun that they do this so often for him as an actor. Yeah, I like that. You might say he runs the gamut of emotions from A to B, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as they used to say. Yep. I, but uh, uh, I do like um, that he was actually in this episode, though, because as soon as he got zapped by the thing and we cut to the. Uh, opening i was like oh great this is going to be another one of the characters is incapacitated throughout the episode episodes isn't it so i'm glad that they did not <laughs> yeah. go with that <laughs> yeah. yeah he walks out at the end stretching his arms yawning it's like what yeah. i miss yeah i think they actually do that in an episode later of course, I think of course. Do, we have actually. to talk about other yeah 
I think Rodney had or something in, in Atlantis or something. But we have to talk about other sci-fi shows that have done like the same presence of like a character getting like knowledge beamed into their head. They did it on Next Generation with um, Barkley, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Barkley, mm-hmm. uh, the nth degree. And he actually at least got to sit in a really cool chair with like all these lasers shooting into his head. Yeah. And on. And on Jimmy Neutron, Sheen uh, has the same thing. Jimmy builds a, a helmet for Sheen, and his head gets really big, and he can fly or he can float around because he's so smart. I don't know. I thought I thought Richard Dean Anderson's head should have gotten big, and he should have been able to at least like levitate or something. But no, he just builds. He just builds neat stuff. I guess that is true. This he's was a, he's a maker. Yeah, yep. this was different from uh, those two episodes where when the character gets the power, they become like maniacal. This was more just like his yeah. brain was being taken over by it, which they talk about later on that the human physiology is not evolved enough to really process that data. And we also get that uh, famous um, urban legend about you only use 10% of your brain, which is not yep. true. Yeah, absolutely not true. Yeah. They, they couch it and say at one time. So, I mean, maybe if that one time was when you're sleeping, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you only use. 10% in any given time. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I think we're using as much of our brain as, as we possibly can. I, I do know some people that probably only use 10% of their brain though. So, I mean, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, however, even as uh Jack's brain is taken over and he's, he's getting ready to write up the, how to fix the DHD. Daniel's sitting there rattling on and he just writes down, shut up and go away. At least he's still able to, yeah. still able to insult Daniel. So that works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that his job oh, yeah. always comes across as the dim-witted one of the group, right? And that he's the one who's, you know, doing the math and creating, fixing the DHD. He's rewriting the computer system. And, you know, Carter, who's supposed to be the brainiac, is sitting there like, I got nothing. I have no idea what he's doing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's got it. And he's like irritated that he's even doing it, you know? I just want to go take a nap. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. You do get the, uh, the base eight math on that massive Mm -hmm. equation he writes on the board. So I'm going to assume that means that the agents only have three fingers and a thumb on each hand. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, octomath is, is, you know, it's a real set of math, but we don't see it much in our day, but it is, it is a real, you see it sometimes with computers, but of course they usually do the hexadecimal, which is 16 base 16 instead of base eight. So, which, you know, that would go with the binary and all that. But still, uh, as soon as it was like the 10 equals eight, it's like, oh, yeah, forgot about that. It was one zero yeah. equals eight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were talking about with the mm-hmm. binary. I guess that would make more sense then. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we get a lot of Siler in this episode. Siler and another guy who we never see again, I don't think. Oh, the other technician? First, yeah, the other scientist technician guy there who, who we never see again. And then Dr. Lee comes in and kind of takes over that role. They didn't even give um, that guy a name. A little bit, but no, they didn't. It's just experts. Just like, yeah. Yeah. It's, but we did see Graham again. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he spent, yeah, did. He spent most, of the, most yeah. of the episodes having his Pikachu shock face on. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I kind of missed Walter because it really would have been better, right? Yeah. yeah. Walter say Chevron Seven is engaged. I mean, it just—I don't yeah. know. It, it felt out of place to have random Graham versus, you know. Yeah, a Gary Jones like turning it up yes. to eleven, you know, and saying Chevron Eight. Yeah, you know, that would. I would have. Yeah, I would pay money to see that. 
Yeah, so especially because that's like his iconic line is the yeah. Chevron Seven locked. Uh, it would have been nice to see him. Uh, yeah, so it felt be weird. able to do that reveal. Yeah, but it's it's really also good that I, I had forgotten. You know, obviously season seven when they find the city of the ancients, and then eventually how they you know get to Atlantis as they need a, a source of power to make that jump to another galaxy. I had forgotten that they had actually gone to a different galaxy in this episode. Mm-hmm for some reason and, and had uh, used like um, Jack's super capacitor or whatever to, uh, to charge up the gate. Yep. Um, so that was, that was kind of cool. Although I don't know what galaxy Ida is, but I, think it's I made just up. don't know my gal. Yeah. So that's a inconsistent inconsistency with the movie, right? In the movie. They yeah. Said they went to another galaxy, right? Well, outside right. of <laughs> our known galaxies or whatever. And then in the TV show, we don't, we don't go outside the galaxy except for when we need the extra power. There was one episode not that long ago where they mentioned about it. So the other, you know, it's in another galaxy or something like that. And it was clearly a goof. It was not meant to be that, you know, this other side of the galaxy or something like that. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, they've made it clear that the seven numbers are just for our galaxy. Mm -hmm. You know, the seven seven symbols are just for our galaxy. You need the eighth one to go to another galaxy and a ninth one to go all the way to a ship that's way over in the other side of the universe. (laughs) But that's an episode. That's a series that's a long ways away. Yeah. And I I think definitely we we can thank Robert C. Cooper for kind of putting boundaries and and that structure and those rules in place. And and, um, in in addition to the mythology, kind of helping to craft kind of how the gate system works. Um, as well but i mean it is everything they say about the ancients in this episode is you know holds consistently through the rest of the all the series and stuff so they don't need to retcon anything in this you know season two episode which is which is pretty cool good job i said they yeah yeah that they were thinking about that like continuity that early on i guess if they ever make a new stargate show they could like have them unlock a 10th chevron or something and call it stargate x or something (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Stargate Extreme. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> now it is interesting though. Uh, the Asgard, when O'Neill gets his mind cleared, the Asgard says that the ancients moved on from our region of moved on from our region of space long ago. So, but they developed that later. Is they've ascended from yeah, okay, our universe. But it's not. Yeah. It's I would say that's not a retcon. That's just Mm-mm. that's a simple way of explaining that they're not here anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I was because. Yeah, I mean, the ancients originated in the Milky Way galaxy, right? Yep. Went and explored Pegasus, came back and stuff, but then they did ascend. Sorry, spoiler alert there. <laughs> and so, yeah, what the Asgard said there is, is strictly true, phrased in a way that, that Jack can understand. Exactly. I mean, they moved on from this corporeal region. There you go. Pretty much. Yeah. They, they turned into glowing jellyfish. And they don't interact with us. They hold hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the question I have after this is, Jack MacGyvered a ZPM, right? Using <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Using Teal'c staff weapon. So, what happened to the glowy green stuff? Did they get another staff weapon? Did they get more glowy green stuff. Was it used up? Like, was it a staff well, weapon or I was assume... it a zat? It was a staff. Oh, it was weapon. Okay. Yeah. That looked like it was a zat. And I just. I just assume that whenever they murder a Jaffa, they steal a staff weapon and bring sure. it back. And that somewhere they've got like 250 like staff <laughs> weapons piled yeah, up. Not just the one. But yes, Dad. I don't, I don't think, I don't think what Jack built actually like created the power. I think it stored the power that the system was 
you know, it was acted as a huge capacitor. It was just able to store up like 10 or 100 or 1,000 times the normal power and then like transmit it to the gate in a way. And maybe the Without- power supply of the staff weapon, which was really cool to see, like yep. that glowy thing somehow like wasn't enough to give it like the initial charge that let it take more. I don't know, but I'm not an ancient, but <laughs> that's just kind of how I understood yeah. it. Well, I like when he first kicked just it like, on is yeah, like, is that all it does? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Started hearing dynamo hum by Frank Zappa in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it did kind of invoke the, uh, the mashed potato scene from Close Encounters where he's just doing this thing, but he doesn't know why. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This means something. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I only know that from you. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is important. We had that movie on VHS when I was a kid. And we used to watch it over and over again. So. Close Encounters or Close UHF? No, Close Encounters. Yeah. I had UHF on VHS. I've got, I've got it on DVD, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we saw a VHS. So pretty much recite movie. that thing from. Yeah. Are you recording yeah. this? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they the show. Tape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were at my uh, my grandmother's, or not my grandmother's, my uh, son's grandmother, my mother-in-law's the other day. Um and he found a VHS tape, and he did not know what it was. He's like, "What is this strange no. box with black tape?" Yeah, inside it? <laughs> like, that's how you used to watch movies. It's like the first time my kids went over to a like a you know family member's house, and they had cable, which we, which we don't have, and commercials came on, and like our our son was just so like he's like, "They've interrupted my show with another yeah. show." <laughs> What what is happening what here? We're sorcery like, is that's this? Com- <laughs> We're like that's called a commercial. It's called your kid. Is Make it stop. Spoiled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't understand uh, the concept of like you cannot just watch any show you want whenever you want. You gotta. It's gonna come on at a specific time. I cannot yeah. get my son to understand that. Yeah, and if and if and if all that's on is Laverne and Shirley, you're watching right. Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. You only have four channels. Okay, we're, we're we're starting way too much. Like you, you, you darn kids, get off my lawn here right now. I mean, officially, none of us are boomers, right? Yeah. No, no, we're not. But uh, we are part part of the ancient race of uh, of Gen Xers. Yes, I'm a millennial. So, oh, and, and yeah. the young millennial there. Yeah, yeah. I can be the fifth race. I should. You, you are too. You are too young to appreciate our ways. <laughs> Perhaps come back when. The Asgard changes that they they change that tune pretty quickly as soon as they run into trouble and need mm-hmm. like yeah we need you backwards humans to get us out of a jam oh yeah That's you, you, you they phrase it right yeah pretty much isn't yeah. isn't it something like we can't think as primitive as you can yeah because yeah. yeah. Daniel's like wait what <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you need you, your dumb. you stop and think about how much was set up that you know, the future episodes and seasons I mean this episode really does set up mm-hmm. so much of the canon and the universe it's just it's just kind of crazy I well I, it's, i'm always i'm always fascinated when you watch shows like this you know of course star trek doctor who other shows like that how much of this has been thought out in advance mm-hmm. you know obviously you hit a point in sg1 where you kind of go okay now they're just winging it because they want a couple more seasons yeah or i um <laughs> but before that you can tell that they were building to potentially Stargate Atlantis, that that was the intention of, at least at some point, they said, you know what, let's build to the point where we go on more than just SG-1. Yeah. Or we go to another place. We go, you know. So I wonder at this point, as they were writing this, you know, in the, the late 90s, how much they're going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna end up, you know, 10 years from now looking at another team in another galaxy. 
or it was just like Actually, let's just develop all this since you were a ghost. Well, it's from now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just just a function of if you can do a very good job of world building, if you can create a world with rules in it and are consistent with how your rules interact with the characters and other rules and just have that consistency and you know the audience knows what the rules are, you know the characters know what the rules are, it all just works together, you don't you know, break that trust you have with the, with the audience, then you can do pretty much anything as long as you're consistent within the rules mm. that you've set up. True. Um, another show, Buffy and Angel had, you know, set up very good, consistent rules. And when they bent or broke those rules, you know, it was knowingly and the audience would go, oh my gosh, they just broke one of the rules of the show. Right. It wasn't like they're just doing it willy nilly. It's like, oh, this season we're going to, you know, the Stargate's going to turn everybody into jello when they step through it or something, mm. you know, stupid like that. Like, you run into shows like that discovery. It's like, Oh, well in this season, we're just going to do this. Yeah. And in this season, some, we're just going to do this. Some strange kid yeah. crashed on a planet is going to blow up all the dilithium in the war in the universe because he screamed, you know, something like that. <laughs> because that's not weird. Yeah. No, because that's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's not a star Trek. That's like a, you know, Stephen Moffat, doctor who like type plot. Yeah. Well, and it, or it's a CW plot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what always kind of amazes me about this, you think of like, you know, J. Michael Straczynski, who literally wrote out all of Babylon 5, at least the, the overarching story, before he even filmed a single scene. He knew exactly where yeah. Babylon 5 was going to start and exactly where it was going to end. Now, he had to change some things with, you know, like an actor getting seriously mentally ill bit beyond that. Um, or, or not getting renewed and then getting renewed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> the to last ask minute. The yeah. showrunners for Stargate, at what point? Were they projecting that far in the future? Right. You know, I, I think you can see it. I think you can see it in season. Oh, I don't know if it's season six or season seven when they bring Weir in Mm -hmm. and they, and they have the first mention of like the tablet Mm -hmm. and Apophis is looking for this tablet or uh, not Apophis. Mm -hmm. Anubis is looking for the tablet and stuff. And I think at that point you can tell, Oh, they're, they're planning for a spinoff here, but Again, that's also if you have like a very consistent, well thought out world. Right. I mean, you can do like Laverne and Shirley in Happy Days. You can do as many spinoffs as you want. Well, and like I think I like what you said about the rules and kind of here it is and being consistent. Because if you think about it, mm-hmm. they bring back this. I mean, it's plot. I mean, Jack gets his head sucked and you know oh, all yeah. that stuff downloaded back into his brain again yep. later. I mean, this happens again to set up exactly. Atlantis. So it's. It's kind of a cool that they were able to even do it and we didn't blink. We got excited mm-hmm. actually, you know, that they that they reuse something they've already done and it didn't seem strange or out of place or or right. like, oh gosh, I can't believe they're having they're doing that. We loved I mean, y'all, I'm speaking for y'all, but I loved it. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think and I think they have are doing it at least in this episode just as a as a from the perspective of someone who is watching it for the first mm-hmm. time. They're doing it in such a way that they are setting up these threads to where they're interesting and they give you a lot to like wonder about with the universe, but they don't do it in such a way that if they were not to bring this thread back, you would feel like they had dropped something. Right. Yeah. And just the one mention of the, the F word, the furlings <laughs> in this episode was enough to keep fans speculating right. for like another eight seasons. They're like, when are we going to see the furlings? When are we going to see the furlings? And then, and well, and to the point that like, they, the, they yeah, little, we do, uh, but <laughs> gave us a little something there yeah. in what episode yeah. 200. 
And I remember the trailer for that was like, it was um, Brad Wright saying like, one of the questions we get asked is when are we going to see the furlings? We're finally going to get to see the furlings. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, oh, that was not what I wanted. (laughs) It was more of a joke. That's the one where they have the, uh, the spinoff show in the world based on Stargate. Yeah, or the the guy who's running the spinoff show is is optioning a movie and is trying to you know get ideas. For it. <laughs> nice. And yeah. they look like Ewoks. <laughs> well, yeah. which is what fans well, always speculated Ewoks. they look like. That was the yeah. big joke, right? Furling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's nice. And of course, you know they, they mentioned the four races, and we've got and I love of Jack. He, he says, you know, got the Asgard. Well, met you all, and Knox met them too. And then it's Furling's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. I don't know them. Like, yeah. The ancient, but it, of course, it, it is funny, though, because, you know, you look at the Knox episode and the Knox, you know, yeah, they got special powers, but they're primitive, at least the ones we see, it, until you see the flying city in the background of the closing shot. But they still don't yeah. seem like they're, they are on the equal of the Asgard or the ancients, at least when we, as we see them in the series at this yeah. point. Uh, what, any, you know? any point, and I could, we, we never really... Yeah. I mean, that is interesting. I hadn't really thought about it. We never really get to know them. Yeah. I think you And mentioned- I can get why the Asgard don't ascend, but the Nox, it seems like they would if they had the ability to ascend. Yeah. I think you mentioned this in the first episode with the Nox Victor, but you were saying that maybe they had like fallen. They were more advanced. They've, they're kind of like a decaying species at this point, and they've lost a lot of the technology, and they just have that one city. It it could be that, or maybe they just like, yeah, or it could or it could have been that those were like you know prepper knocks who were just like living in the woods. And, yeah, <laughs> they weren't like deep knocks. This, this is this is the this is the this is the hippie knocks. Yeah, the other knocks come by and they're Back like fed, fed. <laughs> yeah, but we do get to see two Asgard puppets yeah. in this, like two animatronic Asgard. And I'm just wondering, like, like who did who was the poor like stagehand who had to like run out between takes and like put more Vaseline all over him and stuff? <laughs> Keep him. Like, the Asgards need more goop. Somebody come out here and goop the Asgard because those hands, like, fortunately we don't see their their like their hands aren't that slimy. I don't re- remember another you know when we see him again because that was kind of gross. I was like, don't touch me. Yeah, maybe it's just very moist in their ship. High humidity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. Easily. Yeah, I did like the the design of that though, and they looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the rare cases we see them standing up. Usually, they're just kind of built into their like captain's chair, and so the puppeteer can be, you know, underneath yeah. them or something, kind of like pilot on Farscape. But do we course- see them uh, sitting on a log playing banjo though? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I would have paid money to see that too. <laughs> but why are there so many songs about replicators? <laughs> You can petition. That can be what the new spinoff will be about. There you go. There you go. Hi ho! This is Thor the Asgard here. <laughs> now, 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 of course, it, it can't be for children because this this episode is why the, you know it gets the nudity rating. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. yeah. But they explain that too. They they reproduce by cloning. We learn later mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's okay. <laughs> it's all cool. They're like Ken dolls. <laughs> who said that <laughs> awesome uh did y'all have any other thoughts on this episode 
So I get a kick every time we see General Hammond with the with his laptop. He's hunting and pecking. <laughs> yes. You ever notice that he does the two finger hunt and peck typing? <laughs> yeah, it was always fun. <laughs> what about you, Lisa? No, no, I think I covered just about everything except for this episode does have some of our most quoted lines in our house. You know, we do use the word Kozars a lot and. uh uh, I mean, these these words come up very frequently in my house. And my son was walking through the room and I was watching. He's like, oh, is this the fifth race? Like, they just, they know it. This is a, a very classic nice. episode for us. Nice. That would be you, Victor. Uh, nothing except that I was getting, like, strong weather person sent out to, like, the middle of the hurricane vibes from Sam when she was calling in from, like, <laughs> yeah. very hot planet. She's just, like, standing up. It's like... Well, well, Ted, it's very hot here uh, and it's going to get hotter. Yeah. Okay, Sam, we'll talk to you a little bit later. Now up in sports. Okay, <laughs> let's go back, check back in with Sam. No, it's still getting hotter here. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. But, did, uh, uh, oh, did give off that kind of vibe. <laughs> well, one thing we forgot to mention, uh, this is the episode where it makes it clear that the Gaul did not build the Stargates, but that it was the ancients that built it. Yeah, we forgot right. to mention that, uh, that the, we got to make sure we get that in there as well, because, of course, the beginning, the the. the Humanity, humans assume that the, the Gwold built the Stargates, but then it turns out, no, they stole them from the, the ancients just like they did everything else. Right. Yeah, that is true. That's definitely a, definitely nice to see like oh. where this actually came from and that the Gwold did not really have anything to do with it. And we missed the nope. scene where Daniel, when Jack comes back and Daniel goes, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we never really get a payoff on like the whole like Romans worshiping the uh, teachers of Rhodes or, you know, the people who built the gate network. We don't really get that tie into the ancient Romans, like in a very aside from like, you know, they speak of derivation of Latin and stuff, but they could have done more with that. That that could have been cool. But, um, you know, we get some stuff with like the Arthurian legend, but I don't recall there being a lot no. with the ancient no, Romans. But I did enjoy hearing that again this time. No. Yeah. I'm always down for space rooms, so that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, we have some uh, feedback on our episode, uh, Secrets, on YouTube. Paul mm. Leone says, Another fun episode. Jacob Carter is so much fun going forward, and I'm glad they nailed the casting just as they did with Braytac. Mm. Speaking of Australia, I'm kind of surprised that we never saw an Australian, or at least Commonwealth, SG team. Meanwhile, independent Scotland, question mark, Belarus, question mark, and Zimbabwe, question mark, were represented on Atlantis somehow, and America's two main rivals were given intergalactic warships. The geopolitics of the SG-verse are a little weird, aren't they? Mm -hmm. and, and see, I don't know if that says more about the politics of the SGC or the politics of, like, Canada and Australia, particularly Vancouver, because you'd think that there would be a lot of Australians on like those Vancouver produced sci-fi shows. And like the only one I can think of was uh, Taggart or whatever his name was in Eureka. Mm. And he was played by a Canadian. Matt Frewer played an oh, Australian right. person. That's right. With, with a not very good Australian accent. Well, um, that's Matt Frewer, though. So, he, he's so camp. Yeah. He's so campy in like everything he does. I mean. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's something. Maybe there's some rivalry between like Vancouver and Australia that. Yeah. Because, yeah, because you, know. you had Canadians, obviously, in, in Atlantis. Yep. You had, uh, you did have Brits, including Scots. Um, yep. And you had, of course, you know, Americans. But, yeah, you didn't have. You didn't have and, and Czechs. Czechs, yeah. yeah. Which, that, I can't wait till we get to those. That, that's so much fun. Yeah. He starts cursing, literally cursing in Czech. Nice. Um, yeah, so that, that's a, that yeah. is a kind of interesting point, though, that there wasn't, 
Maybe, maybe that's SG-25. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like you get, uh, I'm just thinking of the, um, the giant uh, starship uh, England from Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, yeah, where it's on the space whale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing all the uh, the space cruises and stuff because I'm a big fan of big sci-fi. It gets cool. So it gets cool to see. Yeah, you have, you have to wait another four seasons, but once you once you start seeing them, they start coming hot and heavy on nice. the speaking space of battleship front. Speaking of that, um, there's that company, a hero collector. They do like all the miniature Star Trek ships, and I think they do like Doctor Who and mm-hmm. uh, Battlestar Galactica. They are starting a Stargate line. I saw that's going to start coming. Yes, out. Oh, the, it was Eagle Moss. Ship. Ooh, it's, I think yeah, it's Eagle, Eagle Moss. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've got Doctor. They've would, got Tardis with all the different Doctors. They've got yeah. They've got SG, some SG One stuff. Yeah, forgot about yeah, that. The Daedalus and uh, the Gould ship. I think are the first ones that are coming out. Very cool. Yeah, no, those. Yeah, those would be worth picking up because any sort of like Stargate toy that was on around the time you know early 2005 2006 like even a doctor like weir is going for like 70 or 80 bucks i think on on ebay so yeah there's a hot market for stargate collectibles yeah. it's fun that after all these years it's still so popular maybe growing i don't know yeah well and that's that's a good thing because that'll bring more hope that there will be a new series mm-hmm. soon yeah definitely hopefully although i have noticed that i feel like collectibles for new shows they don't really make them as much anymore which i find odd hmm. but it's just the diehard fans are buying them up yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome and before we go we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of stargate including nancy l ramona f sean g pat g and jesse w their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash Stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, A Matter of Time. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks. Uh, I've lost the philatus to speak properly. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I'm Jack Berizzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on Starquest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>